travelers, as that point makes, is made. We take one step, and then another, and then another. It's a choice we make, because that's what it means to follow. No one can follow and still stand still. If there's no movement, there's no following, and if there's no following, there is no faith, because faith is not a destination, it's a journey. We are all travelers. What happens, though, if we stop following, which is really not an uncommon occurrence? People get saved, they become a part of God's family, and often begin thinking, that's it, they've reached their destination, rather than realizing that they've merely started a journey. And when we think we've arrived, we stop taking the steps necessary to follow. You cannot follow if you're standing still. And the history of Israel is a history of God at work to bring redemption and salvation to a lost world. At the very beginning, God chose Abraham and his descendants to be the one through whom he was going to accomplish that. He promised it's through you and your descendants that all people on earth will be blessed. But when you look at the history of Israel, you find it filled with examples of periods when they stopped taking the necessary steps. They got comfortable, they stopped the journey, and started thinking they had arrived at a destination. They stopped being travelers. Chapter 6 of the book of Acts introduces a man named Stephen, who's described in verse 5 as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, it describes him as a man full of grace and power. He understood what it meant to follow, and part of that meant telling others about the good news that God takes a personal interest in your life. And as he did so, There were some who didn't like what he was saying, and it talks about in the sixth chapter of Acts how they got in an argument with him, but they couldn't refute what he was saying, so they got together, they made some false accusations, which led to his arrest. Most of chapter 7 of Acts is devoted to Stephen's defense before the high priest and the ruling council. And starting with Abraham, he gives a brief overview of God's redemptive work in the life of Israel. And as he did so, he kept reminding his hearers that along the way, they kept forgetting they were merely travelers, that faith was a journey, not a destination, and they had stopped following. His main point is found in verses 51 to 53 of Acts chapter 7, where he says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Not a way to make friends. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels but have not obeyed it. And the result was, he says, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of the Lord and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. When they began to see their faith as a destination they had reached rather than a journey to follow, the people of Israel stopped caring about the nations that they were supposed to bless. And at that point, they actually started working against God and his plan for people. It happened time after time with the Jews. And as we continue in the book of Acts, it's what was in danger of happening to the early church also. They were beginning to get comfortable with the way things were, forgetting their journey to the ends of the earth and instead concentrating on taking care of themselves. They had began to think that they had arrived at their destination, more concerned with holding on to what they had than sharing it with others and without realizing it, in danger of losing it all. In the second chapter of Acts, they had obviously received the power Jesus had promised and the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And they did a great job of being his witnesses in Jerusalem. Thousands of new believers filled their ranks, including, it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, a large number of priests. But a few years passed, and they're still in Jerusalem, ministering to those they were comfortable with, those who were like them. Their journey had stopped, and they'd forgotten all about Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We need to be careful that we don't stop the journey Stop following. That we fail to be his witnesses beyond our own backyard, concerned only with ourselves, forgetting Jesus' words, that we will only truly find our lives when we give them away for the sake of others. You know, we don't see it in our own country, but there are more people coming to faith in Jesus today than there's ever been in human history. We hear about the dramatic growth about, uh, in the church in China called the greatest spiritual awakening in history where it's estimated that 40,000 people every single day are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. A hundredfold increase since 1949 and at present rates of growth, they believe it'll pass 250 million believers in the next 14 years by 2030. But the fastest growing region of the world for Christianity is Africa, where it's growing exponentially. In sub-Saharan Africa, in the last hundred years, Christianity has grown from just 9% of the population to 63% today. In a recent interview in Al Jazeera television, one Islamic leader said, in Africa today, every hour, 667 Muslims convert to Christianity Over 16,000 a day, 6 million every year. But what may be most surprising to many are reports using such terms as explosive to describe the growth in the number of believers in Iran, where mission experts say it's the fastest growing religion in that country, even though it's illegal. Forty years ago, at the time of the revolution there, there were only an estimated 200 believers of Muslim background. Today, there are believed to be nearly 400,000. There have been more people turning to Jesus in Iran during the last 30 years than in the past 1,000 years combined. 
God is serious about missions, and he wants us to be as well, which is why he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And when you look into the story of how it happened in Acts, you find that it wasn't the pastors, the apostles, the missionaries responsible primarily for it, but it was the people of God as a whole, being led by the Spirit of God, proclaiming the Word of God to their neighbors and their families and their workplaces, wherever they went. And today it's a reliving of the book of Acts in many places of the world, where Jesus promised his power to be his witnesses. The Spirit came upon the church as it comes today, and the people of God begin proclaiming the word of God. But we must be careful not to follow into the pattern of Acts 6, where they got settled in Jerusalem and forgot about Judea and Samaria and the rest of the world. Quite unexpectedly, in Acts chapter 7, after Stephen gives his defense, he's martyred for his faith, And it's that martyrdom that actually served to get the church back on track and spur them on to faithfulness, to fulfill God's word, to leave Jerusalem. It was the persecution that came that got them out of the city to Judea and Samaria and ultimately the ends of the earth. Chapter 8 begins, and Saul was was there giving his approval to Stephen's death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. There is a warning there for it. It was persecution and difficulty that energized the church to move beyond their self-imposed borders in fulfillment of the Great Commission. But notice the ones who went out talking about Jesus. It wasn't the apostles, the pastors, the leaders. Luke says they stayed in Jerusalem. It was everyone else the people of God being led by the Spirit of God, proclaiming the Word of God, that went out, fleeing for their lives from Paul, that talked to people about Jesus wherever they went. All of us, that's the way it's supposed to be. All of us talking about Jesus, not just when we come together on Sunday, but wherever we go. And that's why there are more people coming to faith in Jesus every day today than there has ever been in history. Yet, while it's going on in so many places around the world, former centers of the faith, such as Europe, have forgotten their journey. They forgot their travelers, and they've settled in and lost their ways, and so it's called a post-Christian society today, in rapid decline, with hundreds of churches closing every year. And those who study church life warn that it's starting to happen here in our own country as well. In the past 25 years, the percentage of the United States population in worship during any given week has dropped from around 20% to 17%. It's only a 3% drop, but in 25 years, that's millions of people. And in places even like Texas, considered to be a part of the Bible Belt where the church is strong, it's only 18% of the population 
In Florida, it's 14%. The highest state of attendance is in Louisiana, and for them, it's 28%. In Hawaii, it's less than 14%. At current rates, by 2050, the percentage of the United States population in worship any given week is estimated to be only half of what it was in 1990. We have become a mission field, the third largest mission field in the world. And yet Jesus' word still stands that we, we who believe in him, all of us, are to be his witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Every one of us who call him Lord are to be his witnesses wherever we are, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, where we go to shop, next week at Vacation Bible School in July in Taiwan, maybe next year on a neighbor island. If we're to fulfill the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ in the Great Commission, we all must play a part. As the people of God, we are to be led by the Spirit of God to proclaim the word of God to a dying world around us. Because Jesus and the Bible are clear. People are lost. And that means people that we love and we care about that don't know Jesus as Savior are lost. In spite of his words, we are to make disciples of all people, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. This past year, the International Mission Board asked over a 1,000 missionaries to take early retirement because they could no longer afford them. We need to wake up to the needs around us. There's a great need in the world. There's a great need around us here for new work and new churches, the need to start Bible studies in homes or workplaces, to get involved in praying and giving and going. One of the biggest obstacles to this is a sentiment that there's already enough churches today. We don't need more. Let's take care of the ones that are already here. Do you realize in 1900 there were 28 churches for every 10,000 people living in the United States? Today it's 11. We're not keeping up with population growth. We're falling way behind, which is why the Annie Armstrong offering, the video we just saw, the emphasis is on giving so that new work can be started across North America. Only 3% just of Southern Baptist churches have ever, ever started a new work. 3,000 churches across the United States close every year. Churches die when the members stop reaching out and turn inward, when they forget that faith is a journey and instead start seeing it merely as a destination, when they stop taking steps necessary to follow and cease from telling people the good news of the kingdom, becoming primarily concerned with taking care of themselves, when they forget that we are all travelers and we stop engaging the culture. God wants to do the same thing here. He's doing in other countries. The Spirit of God, the Word of God have not changed. It leaves us, the people of God. What are we doing? What will it take to reach our community, our nation? It's not just money. It's not just new techniques or tools or classes or more missionaries. Ultimately, it only happens when all of us are willing to be led by the Spirit of God to proclaim the Word of God. 
It wasn't the apostles that left Jerusalem, Luke says. It was everybody else that went, and where they went, they spread the gospel. That was enough for the church in Acts. It's enough for the church in China, in the church in Africa, the church in Iran. It's enough for us as well. In Acts 1, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Acts 2, while the disciples gathered in the upper room, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, received the power, they begin telling them, people around them, about Jesus. Throughout the book of Acts, Places changed, people changed, circumstances changed. They didn't have buildings to meet in. They didn't have money or modern technology. They didn't have seminaries to train new leaders. But the people of God had the Spirit of God. (coughs) And they had the Word of God. And it says that they took that and they witnessed wherever they went with great boldness. The gospel spread primarily not through the apostles, but unnamed, unknown believers simply being faithful because they were travelers. Jesus simply said, go. Tell them about me. They too can become followers. In Acts 8, it says, as the church was scattered, they went to Judea and Samaria as the Spirit led them. Interesting, in Acts 11 where in Acts 8 it specifically mentions Judea and Samaria. In Acts 11, it talks about how the people who were scattered then went to other places like Cyprus and Phoenicia and Antioch. And while they were there, they began to talking to Greeks about the Lord. The Lord's hand was on them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The gospel left Jerusalem because of the persecution. They fled to Judea took the gospel. They fled to Samaria and took the gospel. They went to Antioch and other places and took the gospel. And God's word was fulfilled. If you keep reading in Acts 11, it says that news of what was happening in Antioch reached the church at Jerusalem. So they sent Barnabas to check it out. He got there. He saw what God was doing. He encouraged them, but he realized he needed help. So he went and got Paul... And for a year, they worked with the church there. The church then set apart Paul and Barnabas and sent them out to start other churches. I don't know if you've ever noticed it in the story in Acts, but one of the most amazing things about the whole story is how God chose to fulfill Acts 1 and go to the end of the earth. At the very end of chapter 7, Luke introduces Paul, Saul, Not one as a part of the church, but one trying to destroy the church. He sets about persecuting believers, trying to put an end to it. But in doing so, Paul's responsible for believers scattering and spreading the church even further. Quite unintentionally, he helped it grow. People fled Jerusalem, eventually made their way to Antioch, where it says a great many people believed. And then when Paul became a believer, he was called to Antioch to work at strengthening the church there. And then Antioch sent Paul out to start other churches. So in trying to destroy the church, Paul was responsible for starting it and then becomes a missionary of it. Who but God could dream up such a thing? 
God has said in Isaiah 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We are all travelers. Our faith is not a destination. It's a journey. If there's no movement, there's no following. If there's no following, there's no faith. Because we cannot follow and stand still. We live in a time of unprecedented growth around the world, but it's happening in other places where people don't have nearly the resources we do. But what they have ultimately, is the same thing we have. They have the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and that's enough. If you're a believer, you have that Spirit, and you have that Word. What's holding you back from being like the church in Acts chapter 8, when they were scattered, they took the Word wherever they went and told people about it? Who would God have you tell about it? Because ultimately, as Paul says in Romans 10, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And then how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Are you that someone? Our Father, we thank you that we too have your spirit and your word and we are your people. Ultimately, that is enough because you are enough, O God. Help us, we pray, to be faithful witnesses, not to wait for others to tell our family or our friends or our co-workers, but to realize you have placed us there, each of us, to be your witnesses in our own Jerusalem, in our own Judea and Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. We thank you for the work you are doing and will continue to do as we follow. Help us never to get stuck thinking we've arrived at a destination when we're merely on a journey because we are travelers following you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all please stand for our hymn of commitment and invitation? And it is an invitation if God is calling you to some commitment, some, perhaps you never have accepted him into your life as Savior. Perhaps today is that day, or perhaps it's to make a commitment to unite with us as a church as we seek to serve him together or something else. We invite you to come to pray with you here at the front or to talk after the service as we prepare to close. But join with us now as we sing.